0: I <laughs> had to come in and pull it down at the Brown Thai center. Now I wanna elbow people at the kidnas just denting cars for no reason. Come on guys, Greenbergs. you giving that award to everyone. Hello and welcome to the Schmuel Tenant House Podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus, and this is my podcast. At the beginning of the show, I was playing some audio clips, as I mentioned. I was doing some live stand-up comedy at my father's show dinner. That's one of the reasons why it took me almost two weeks to do this podcast, because I was doing a live performance. And uh, so sorry about that, and it was so nice to see people. In general, I realized that When I was doing stand-up, it was probably 20 to 30 minutes. I was talking very fast because I could have drawn that out. Much different doing a podcast where people want you to talk really quick or they can speed it up versus doing stand-up where it's very much about the pauses and the awkward silences. So some things don't necessarily translate as well. I do plan on doing more stand-up, not just at my father's shul dinner, but more here in South Florida. And I will keep everybody posted for when I will do an appearance. So to start off, the first thing is I want to thank our ad sponsor for this week, and that is the company 23andMe. Thank you. Let me start off with their ad. Hello, Jews. Thanks for listening to the Shmuel 10 podcast. We think that is a very intelligent and wise decision for you to be listening to such a great podcast. Do you suffer from anxiety? Are you, uh, you know, a more of a Sephardic Jew and you're wondering where some of your depression is coming from? Do you have projectile dysfunction where you will eat Milchiks on shvuis, and the food will come right up or right down? Well, let me tell you about 23andMe. What this is, is it's a company. You send us your DNA in an envelope and we will tell you what percentage Ashkenazi or Sephardic Jew you are. So, for example, if you are in the belief that you are completely Ashkenazic, but then you find yourself insisting every Friday night that your wife make Moroccan fish. Also, you use various hair products all the time and things like cologne and you drive a fancy car. Maybe you are a little uh, Sephardic. Or again, some of your mental health issues can be traced back to uh, one of your Sephardic family members having a relationship with somebody Ashkenazi. We don't know. There's lots of genes going on. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to send, you your D- uh, you to send us your DNA. Now, don't worry about sending us private information. We do have a privacy policy. It is 120 pages long. And the font size is 8.5. So it's really small and you're not going to understand it. And like, what will we do with your personal information? Would we sell it to the pharmaceutical companies or or maybe Google to target you with ads? That's actually a really clever idea. And we didn't think about it until doing this ad read. We'll keep you posted on that. So go to 23 andme forward slash the Shmuel 10 podcast. And we'll give you a 15% discount when you surrender all your personal information. Moving along. It is now... Yeah, Sarasi, teshuvah, the 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. My favorite part about all of this is we have to do the additions in Shman and it is the opportunity if some poor guy is saying Kaddish for a newly r- lost relative, sometimes if they mess up during Kaddish, you can yell at them and you say, Ha Shalom! It's not Shalom! Ha Shalom! The idea is you want to ambush these people and take them by surprise, Uh, uh, particularly early morning, or you get a whole bunch of people to bully the person saying Kaddish. But again, very exciting. And I get very upset if somebody during a seressi teshuvah tries to say Kaddish and just says Shalom and doesn't say Ha! Shalom. And so the idea is, again, uh, to make a big ruckus about it and let them know that they are wrong and they need to fix it. Now, I had an opportunity to travel for work last week. I went to Las Vegas. I stayed off the strip. It's a whole story unto itself. But I do want to walk you through what it feels like going onto an airplane and they are doing the boarding process. So it's like this, this is the pecking order. Uh, For those of you who are elite members, we're gonna board your zone. Okay, now that we did the elite people, if you have a handicap or you have children, maybe that's the same exact thing if you're trying to run around in this world, You guys come next. If you are a veteran from the war, we want you and we we love and support the wars that you fought. Please come now for boarding. Now, if you have a, a personality disorder, we want you to board next. And meanwhile, if you're just like a regular person, you're just waiting there and waiting there and waiting there. Okay, next, for anybody who bought an upgrade, we want you to come up next. For people who have checked their bags uh, because there's no room in, uh, on the plane. Uh, you guys will be prioritized next. Okay, who else is left? Okay, now, everybody else there. Uh, you guys are the scum and vermin. If you're vermin, if you're scum, if you're a lowlife, uh, we want you to come right now and board the plane. And I'm usually in the last group, and I'm not feeling good about myself. The worst thing also is when you board the plane, every once in a while... If you have a little carry-on, they have a little thing, a little area where you could try to see if your carry-on will fit on the plane, and there's a big power struggle there. You're trying to squeeze that little carry-on and say, look, it fits, it fits, Um, and so uh, that was my uh, experience. Now, uh, I do want to get political here for one second and uh, talk about uh, Ron DeSantis, just my ongoing DeSantis watch, and I don't understand... The motivation and why Ron DeSantis' latest thing now is he has signed an order and a bill to ship all soy products and gluten free items from South Florida and from the entire state of Florida. He is shipping it on a plane to San Francisco. That's just dumb because, number one, there are people who have either illnesses or allergies. Uh, We have a child in our family who is gluten free. I don't see why this is poking. Uh, liberals or Democrats in in, in their eyes. And also, soy. There's a lot of people, from people who drink soy if they are fleshics and need to have a little milk in their coffee. So, Ron, this is a head-scratcher. I also want to tell you why climate change is real. And maybe I can spend my whole from life just trying to convince people in my community that climate change is real and you can never argue with climate change. Here's why. Are there four seasons? Yes not just the hotel but also four seasons during the year there's winter there's summer there's fall there's spring now during these different periods not if you live in florida but if you live in a normal place does the weather change during these four seasons the answer is unequivocally yes so that is a climate and that climate is changing so climate change is real and if you're going to argue with me look at the science and just look at your phone where you pull the temperature information and the forecast and you'll see if you track it for 365 years the climate is changing. Climate change folks is real. Now in the hotel that I stayed at in Vegas there wasn't a whole lot. There was no slot machines. However, next to my bed there was a night table and not only was a there was a Holy Bible, a New Testament, but I also discovered the Book of Mormon. And so now there were two Bibles near my bed. So first of all, at this point, I would say we need to get a Chitas or maybe the Old Testament there because it's not like I'm just being very Jewish and saying, hey, you have the Bible, now you need our Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is now that you are operating and you are catering to a larger audience and you got the Book of Mormon, and you have the holy bible uh, the old test the new testament i would like some representation as well also for the people who who did this hotel when you have two bibles i don't think it belongs in the night table anymore i think you need a full on bookshelf by the bed now the other thing is the book of mormon that's that's what and we don't get our own our own in next to the bed because it's it's bad enough there's no uh Broadway play called uh, the Book of Chumash, but so the the Mormons get that, and then they get the Bible by the bed. It's not fair. Uh, I am thinking to make a little extra money in these uh, challenging economic times. I want to be a DJ because why? I own a baseball cap. I could put it backwards, and then I can just bob my head for a little while, wear a pair of sunglasses, and I think I can get the place going wild. There is a lot of talent to be a DJ. Uh, Like I said, you have to own a baseball hat, you have to be able to turn it backwards, uh, also wear simultaneously a pair of headphones, and uh, just put your hand on something that makes it look like it's moving. And uh, perhaps I will DJ my father's shul dinner next year. This next thing is something that my uncle reminded me of, and it is very important that I share it with you. And that is that when you wear a yarmulke, there is a secret society code and it goes like this. If you are in an airport or in a public place where you spot somebody else with a yarmulke, you don't necessarily have to go over and say how you doing and give hugs and find out who are the people that you have in common that you know. You don't have to do that. It's nice, you don't have to. But what always happens is there is a yarmulke nod, which is you see somebody else, your eyes lock, you just do a small head nod, which looks very suspicious by the way to everybody else around, and you keep going on your day. It's kind of like, hey, I recognize you, you got a yamaka. I got a yarmulke, let's lock eyes and let's nod our heads to each other and let's keep on doing our thing. Um, now. The next thing is I was having a little of a rough week and a friend of mine, his name is Neil and he is from Seattle, shared the following quote with me that has been a game changer for me in terms of appreciating life. I will share it with you. This is not an original Schmoltenas quote. He said like this, life is hard, then you die, then they throw dirt on your face. And this cheered me up tremendously. And he said, once you have that, and you know, and you're fully aware with it, you can get on with your day and can handle anything. I want to talk about when kids, for those of you with kids, when kids wake you up during the night. Now, if you don't have kids, and kids are waking up during the night, then there's a problem because it means you're either a kidnapper or maybe you're basically just camping in a preschool and then the kids come in the morning and you shouldn't be there anymore. Uh, you're, you're squatting essentially. So when kids wake you up in the middle of the night, here's my policy. I recommend you do the same. If I'm going to be with them and they're not feeling well, I make sure not to brush my teeth. I also make sure to breathe excessively in their face with my bad breath. Not too harsh, but as much as possible. Why? Because I got woken up in the middle of the night. Nobody's having a good time. I got woken up, and now your father smells. I didn't shower before bed either. And now my dragon breath in the middle of the night will be all over you. Why? Because I don't really want to give you an incentive to wake me up the next night. And if you just have this really this memory of, hey, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I went to my dad, and he smelled really bad then perhaps next time you'll either wake up your mom who might smell better or just figure it out on your own. The next thing, this is something that I noticed that is happening a lot and we must put an end to it. These days with everybody being on cell phones and calling each other in cars, out of the cars, and everybody multitasking while they talk to you, what happens sometimes is a call will be over because we use the universal goodbye, goodbye. But then the person stays on the line. So I hear them going about their day and I hear them like ordering coffee or doing their thing or talking to people Them, And it's always the same thing. I say, just hang up your phone. Get off the phone right now. The call is over. I don't want to hear you anymore. That's why we ended this call. The call call is complete. I don't want to hear you talking to your family, to your wife, continue on working, hear you flush the toilet because I know you're in the bathroom. There's been echoes there. I don't need that. When the call is over, please hang up the phone. I don't need to be exposed to any more of you at this point. That was the purpose of ending this call. Now, you ask me, why didn't I hang up the phone? Well, I have to make sure that you hang up the phone because like I said, I need to put an end to it. So I'm just hanging around curiously but trying to implement this new policy. Now, I wanna revisit our library discussion that we talked about, about books from the library. So first of all, great news for my podcast listeners. I, Shmuel Tenhouse, the Shmuel Tenhouse podcast, have listened to a, or not listen, I have read a full book, end to end, very few pictures in it. It was a book by the actress Anna Kendrick, and it was called Scrappy Little Nobody. I really enjoyed the book. And again, I'm just bragging here that even though I'm an adult with children and I haven't read many books for a long time, I read a full book beginning to end. Next, we talked about losing all the books and donating to the arts when you have to pay the fines to the library. So a couple of things. First of all, uh, we have a little hack in our family that we are testing and that is like this. To avoid losing library books, we decided that when we take books out from the library, we don't bring them in the house. If you want to read them, you have to go in the car. We can turn the AC on for you if it's really hot or you can just lay there uh, and read your book. Keep it in the seat pocket or on the seat. You're tired, you're falling asleep, go back into the house, go to bed. That way, we never lose the books because there's a chain of command. They are in the car. Now, one of my kids asked me what to do about Shabbos. We've got to figure that out. Maybe take the battery out of the car, leave leave it open, or just stay in the car for Shabbos. Now, uh, an embarrassing thing happened when we went to the library is this time we went to library, Uh, we actually very shamefully had books to return, which is a new thing for us because normally we just want to never return the books and pay the price for it. And so I had to go through the very embarrassing conversation asking the librarian, hey, we've been here for years. Where do we return the books? Uh, Because I honestly had no idea. Our family did not have that policy of returning anything. Uh, this reminded me of a story when I was in yeshiva in Kirat Gat. A uh woke, uh, he wasn't woke, but he did wake up uh, one of my roommates and told him, you're getting up and you're going to Davin and you're also going to go to the mikveh." And this person, it was about eight or nine months into yeshiva and the mashpia told him to go to the mikvah, but he had no idea where the mikveh was because he was only in yeshiva for eight, nine months and why would he know where the mikveh is? This is a normal person, and so basically, if he tells the mashpia, "Hey, I don't even know where the mikvah is," that's a problem because now you just, played your, you know, you showed your cards. Uh, so the way what he did was the mashpia was following him from behind, and so what is, he, what is he supposed to do? So in a very genius move, what he did was he stooped down to tie his shoe, and really that was like an espionage move because the mashpia walked in front of him led him to the mikvah, so now he was able to follow the mashbia. Very, very, I was went to yeshiva with very smart people, so I kind of had the same situation in the library. I just didn't have anybody to follow. Uh, but we returned the books. I did think that it would be a great family gift to be able to get people a prepaid fine gift card for the library. So basically, the library is like, hey, you know, you can buy a Best Buy gift card or an Amazon gift card. Here is a $20 gift card uh, towards, you know, future library fines, so that you could take books out from the library, not bring them back on time and use that gift card. I don't like this new policy that the libraries here have been doing is families that have taken out a considerable amount of books and have not brought them back. They started to hang up pictures of these families in the library. It's shameful. I don't need to see myself uh, where it says books wanted and there's a family picture. I don't even know how they got that family picture. But I do request that they take them down. We will start bringing your books back. Another great thing about Tishrei, the 10 days of Tshuva, is we get to do Kaparas. I have no problem ethically with Kaparas. However, at the same time, I do have a, some criticism for my Chabad community, which is I understand the Kaparas. But why do you have to do Mifzaim? Why does it have to be outreach? Why now, when I go to my local grocery store, does there have to be a Chabad Bacher standing there asking people, Hey, are you Jewish? Can I swing this chicken over your head? Uh, I think that's a turnoff for people. Also, the chicken could poop on people and you're going to get in trouble. I also don't think if somebody's really not engaged in Judaism for a long time, like that is necessarily the best sell for it. I do recall when we lived in Seattle, where it's very politically correct, and you can't just go and just randomly kill a chicken uh, or swing a chicken over your head. There was basically one chicken representative that would come. They basically would have either one or two chickens. And this chicken that they would have, there was basically the rabbi who took care of the Kaparis had a paragraph or two explaining the origins of this chicken. Like, this chicken was organically raised. And as a youngster, it was told that, hey, at some point in time, you'd be used for caparis. It's been grass-fed. Uh, it's gone to private schools. And uh, I remember even one time people came to the shoal to protest for the one or two chickens that we were able to muster, which, by the way, they gave to some sort of uh, homeless shelter next to... Um, next to uh, the farm where the chicken was raised from a child to do that. And the people that were protesting had dogs with them on a leash. And to see these poor creatures, first of all, like dogs, being held as pets, and to put a pet on a leash and just not let them roam, uh, the cruelty, I've never seen this. And just in general, uh, as an aside here, For the dog owners, like, do you really need to embarrass that dog and put them into a very ugly Hanukkah sweater? That's just not, you know, treating animals ethically whatsoever. Next thing, Uh, unfortunately, last week it was, or it was over Rosh Hashanah holiday, our family tragically lost. A few more coffee mugs. And that is because we have help in the house who washed a locker set pot, which weighs about 180 pounds. You need two grown men that are Olympic weightlifters to actually clean this locker set pot. Next to it, I see two coffee cups that were milchik's and looks like they were washed together with this fleischik's. And so big problem. And so we lost, unfortunately, RIP, another two coffee mugs, which if you're from, you can relate to these predicaments where you establish a bond and a relationship with uh, a coffee cup. And then at some point in time, it gets trafed out and you can't have it again. And I would like to coin a phrase right now that when this happens to you, Uh, you are essentially getting mugged, which is what happened. Also, we do have in our house now a whole section of questionable calum. We know there's probably a problem with it, but we're not 100% sure, so we don't use them on a frequent basis. But in case a lot of people ever come over to our house uninvited, we do know the proper cutlery we can use, and those are the questionable calum. Now, within the state of Florida, particularly within South Florida, Miami, the Dolphins won three games in a row, the Miami Dolphins, which is a huge thing that they won, are still a franchise, and still call themselves that. They won three games in a row, and all the people who live here who have never, never experienced playoffs or Super Bowl are thinking, hey, we won three games, we have this in the bag, Uh, let's just start making our Super Bowl plans right now. Uh, They lost the game, and the people who have this hysteria and just this manic following the Dolphins are like, hey, they lost one game, but they won the other three, and now they're going to win every other game. The fact that they lost one is because you always have to lose one game if you're going 15-1. and This was the game that they lost. I do have a suggestion, which is controversial, but I think it would help the Dolphins, and that would be is I propose – that former President Trump by the Miami Dolphins. Why? Well, very easy, because that way, the Dolphins would never concede any losses, even if they would lose. They'd get, they'd get hammered 49 to zero, and uh, Coach Trump or owner Trump would be like, hey, yeah, I, I know the scoreboard says that we lost, and I know the other team got more points, but we really won. Uh, the other thing I am a little nervous about is, is that if, if the Dolphins were ever to win any games under Coach Trump or, or, or owner Trump, uh, you would not be able to find out the information if you would search uh, social media, uh, Twitter or Facebook, and the others may just block it because who knows what it can lead to. Now, my favorite, least favorite thing to uh, experience in Shul is Hataras Nidarm, the Annulment of the Vows where you sit together with people and people, you need 10 people who are on their cell phones listening to you uh, annul the vows that you made from the previous year. And i always thinking to myself, hey, what do we have to do this? I'm not making any vows. But what, what happens is, the second it starts and some guy gets up reading, in my head I'm saying the following, I swear I'm never going to do this again. I swear I hate this person. This guy can't read. What's he doing here? Uh, and so... I do find that in my head I'm making a lot of vows so it is really apropos but it is a little ironic that the prayer that's supposed to get you to nova vows unleashes a whole other lot of swearing that goes on within my head also if you are dyslexic I don't care if you're an ffb or you're a bt don't be part of my group make your own atarson the group for the dyslexic, I gotta get home, I have a job, I have a family, read it in English, or do the abridged version, get out of my group, stop trying to hang out at my group year over year. So now, let's see where I'm holding here. Okay, I wanted to do one more ad read, and uh, I wanted to thank Instagram from the company Meta for sponsoring this ad. Here's the ad read. Instagram, that is us. We want your teenagers. We're losing to TikTok. We're losing your teenagers to TikTok. Apple is hurting us with serving of ads. So we really need user growth. Now, we want to tell you that in Facebook, you know, this has been published by the Wall Street Journal and others, 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. And that is why we want your teenagers on our platform. Why? First of all, because yes, we may have made teenagers feel worse about themselves, but we also have a lot of advertisers who sell products that can help teenagers feel better and look better. Skin product, healthcare products, and these advertisers, we allow them to target your teens and so, that's a win-win situation. Maybe they'll feel better about themselves. The second thing is, is that if you read the stat carefully, it says 32% of teen girls, which means 68% of teen girls don't necessarily feel worse about themselves from Instagram. Now, 68 is a bigger number than 32. In fact, 68 would be the overwhelming majority from 100%. And so. We want your teens. The majority of the teams are not getting more depressed from our platform. Go to Instagram.com/slash the Shmuel podcast. So there is attribution because attribution is a tough one today. And enjoy what we have to offer. Thank you, Instagram. Okay, moving on. So with phones, there are various ways that you can unlock them. You can put your finger there, there's a fingerprint option, and now there's facial recognition. So it just, basically, you have to show it your face and it'll unlock for you. I must say that while I am very comfortable giving my phone the finger, I am not comfortable giving them my face. Yes, you want my finger, biometric screening, okay. But my face, I'm not giving you my face. I'm not gonna face plant myself just to open up my device. Uh, I don't want you taking images and now knowing everything about my face because now you really know every single thing about me. The other thing I wanna talk about is when friends make progress. I have a couple of friends, some of these friends have made in recent days or months very good healthy decisions for their lives. They're taking care of their health, They are taking care of their sleep by wearing devices or visiting different doctors. Then I have friends taking up hobbies or going to see a therapist for the first time. I am all for friends making progress. I believe that's an important thing. However, what I take issue with and what I'm very concerned with is when my friends make too much progress. Why? because I feel like I'm falling following behind. So yes, if you want to make a, a positive change in your life, I'm gonna say, go for it. But if you're trying to really grow by leaps and bounds, the rest of us, speaking for myself on behalf of everybody else, are, we're gonna start feeling uncomfortable. Uh, it feels like you're showboating and you're trying to make all this progress where well, most of us are either stagnant in our lives or moving backwards. This feels to me like I'm stuck on the side of the road with a flat, and now you're driving by, racing by, in a very fancy car, and when you see me, you speed up and drive extra fast, kicking dust into my face, and I do not like it. Slow down, people making progress. Just slow it down a tad so I don't feel as bad about myself. Now, the next thing I wanted to say uh, is – it was actually the last thing I wanted to say before I get into really the final thing. By the way, I do have lots of guests lined up to be on the show. Today is Friday, though. I didn't have time to get them on the show. For example, I do have a Jewish rapper at some point in time. Uh, I have a Jewish CEO, female of an alcohol company. I want her to have her on the show. Uh, and we're going to schedule that at some point in time. And there is the local head of the Chevra Kedisha who, Rabbi Label Miller, I want to have him on the show. He told me that uh, last time I tried to get him on the show last week, he said, if I do a Tahara for him, he would be on the show. So basically, to make my podcast, I have to uh, wash a dead body. And that is part of the Stuff and commitment that I have to this show. I wasn't able to actually participate in the Tahara, which is why he was not on the show, but maybe he will be on a future show. Uh, so I wanted to just talk to you about this. This is a truth that needs to be said. It's going to p- make people very uncomfortable, but that is kind of my job. I was just a sip of coffee. You think, you think all this energy and humor is is natural no. There's a lot of coffee going into this. Here's here's how it goes. A- as I get older and lots of other couples, they have terrible memories. They don't remember anything. Uh, they don't remember kids' birthdays. They don't remember uh, when it's time to pay bills, where they parked a car. But there is one thing that every couple, no matter what, remembers and remembers every single detail Regardless of how many years have passed, here's what I mean. Your spouse knows and documents in their file system, in their head, every single nap you ever took. Every nap you took since the day you met this person, they know about it. Also, they know more details about it than they care to remember or you care to remember. So for example, if you tell your spouse, hey – uh, yeah, that was pretty good. I just got myself a forty five minute nap. Your spouse will say something like this uh, actually, it wasn't forty five minutes. It was an hour and thirty five minutes, and if you try to protest, they 'll be like, "No, absolutely not. I saw you go in. I was looking at my watch. It was exactly one thirteen. Then you closed the door, then I kept checking the microwave, and you came out. It was about 255, and I had just about lost it with everybody else. Uh, so your spouse is going to know all the details about, about your nap. Uh, also, they have a file system where they know every, like I said, if you ask them, hey, 10 years ago, you know, do you remember we went on this trip? They won't remember. But if you say, hey, do you remember when I asked to take a nap During the week, they'll be like, yes, absolutely. I know exactly what happened. You walked in, you said you were tired, needed kind of a break, you went to the room, you slept for 43 minutes, and that's kind of what it is. So now, now that we know that couples have the magic memory of recalling the other spouse's nap better than anything that they remember, this is potentially a solution for recalling birthdays and important dates. What you can do is next time you take a nap, if your spouse does not remember your children's birthday, take a nap, but on your stomach as you're taking a nap, put down all the birthdays on the piece of paper. So when your spouse comes to check up on you, just to make sure that you know that they know that you're taking a nap and they're monitoring the minutes, if the birthday's there, that is a nugget of information that will stick in their head, not because they're good at remembering information, but because it's associated with a nap. And like I said, all nap details get recalled in the system. So as we uh, conclude the show, I will add one more piece of comedy uh, from the dinner. Uh, By the way, it was not any of jokes that I've said on the podcast. It's a whole different type of jokes. Uh, And... uh, I'll do that, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll do that at a different time. Uh, but I did get a email that I wanted to share uh, and read to you. Dear Shmuel Tenenhaus of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, I'm hoping for some advice from you or your listeners. My doctor has said that I need to consume cannabis every day, and because I live in a state where it's legal, that's easy to do. However, we will be traveling to Israel for the Chagim, and I don't know what to do. My plan right now is to smuggle in some edibles and tinctures. How risky do you think that is? Would it be better to find a source in Eretz stroll? If so, any suggestions on how to do that? I'm counting on your expertise. Sincerely, hopefully, high holidays. This is an actual message that I got, and uh, it touched me deeply that somebody knows that I care and I might be a good resource in figuring out how to source them drugs in Israel. So a couple of things. This person whose doctor said they have to have cannabis every day, I'm wondering if that doctor is taking referrals because I need to to speak to that doctor for myself and some of my friends. Also, I do not recommend you fly to Israel uh, with weed yeah, uh, taking weed with you, because uh, Israeli security, even weeks before you go to Israel, they're actually listening to the podcast that you listen to. That's how well they're profiling you. So they know this question. they know all the text messages you're sending. It's not a good it's not a good idea. If anybody is listening to this and has suggestions for hopefully high holidays, please let me know. I just speak to a friend of mine who said, "Just walk around Jerusalem and when you smell pot, Walk over to the person who smells like pot and ask them, hey, where do I get some of that fine pot that you are ingesting? I will continue to work on this. Have a wonderful Shabbos if you're listening on Friday. And even if you're listening on Tuesday, guess what, Shabbos is in a couple of days. So have a great Shabbos. If you're listening on a Monday, you know what? You should still have a great Shabbos. Even if, it's, if you're listening on Shabbos, which you shouldn't be listening, also have a great Shabbos, everybody. There's a lot of pressure for me opening here tonight, and I'll tell you why. Because if I do really well, my father might let me open for the Hanukkah festival. It is a much bigger venue, okay? He's not going to do it on some to boat, 200 people. It's who's going big. There's 7,000 people here.